you know, men with gum disease and periodontal disease, they have um, issues with sperm motility and sperm mobility, and that's where the fertility links come in. It can take couples, their studies were showing, I think three to six months longer to conceive if one of the parents has periodontal disease or gum disease. And it's because of those exotoxins and the lipopolysaccharides and essentially leading to chronic inflammation. Hey friends, thanks for being here. Now, I don't know about you, but in the world of pediatric dentistry, there are so many confusing and overwhelming things to decide. So if you have kids, have you ever faced the decision about, do they need fillings? What about preventative sealants? Should they have x-rays? What about fluoride treatment? Which spoiler alert, that's definitely a no. But if we can't trust the conventional model of healthcare, which so many of us have been let down by, what do we make of the Western medicine approach to dentistry? Now, I know you're listening because you've likely had the same questions that I did. And that's why we brought in the expert of functional pediatric dentistry, Dr. Stacy Whitman. She's a board certified pediatric dentist that runs a functional dentistry practice called NoPo Kids Dentistry out of Portland, Oregon. I loved this conversation, learned so many things. So make sure you check out our show notes for all the links that we talk about. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So excited to have my co-host, Dr. Chris Motley with me today. And we have a very special guest. She's all the way on the West Coast, Dr. Stacey Whitman. She's a board certified uh, dentist and she has all these credentials in the functional space as it deals with pediatrics. And so this conversation is gonna be awesome for all of you parents. And we actually had Dr. Kelly Blodgett on probably over a year ago. We talked a lot about holistic dentistry, biological dentistry, but one of the things that I feel like is a huge miss is our children and how we set them up for oral success, oral health success. And this is what Dr. Stacey Whitman has spent her life doing. And I, I wish I was telling her pre-show, I wish she was on the East Coast. I may just have to like, we may have to trek our kids all the way out to see you because this is something I have a really hard time as a parent trying to find answers for. So thank you, Dr. Stacey, for joining us today, Dr. Motley. Thanks for being here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you both. I'm so excited. Oh, we're really happy to have you here. And I know that for this, for Courtney is literally, truly, because she's always taking care of her children. And even when patients come to the office, I know you see this all the time, doc. It's one of the biggest concerns is if a child gets the right type of dental care, along with like using the right types of materials, uh, getting the right information and having dentistry look in a holistic manner. And you don't see a lot of pediatric holistic dentistry. So thank you. Really, we are appreciative of this. And I'm going to let Courtney have her questions because I know she's going to have some good ones. So let's rock and roll. <laughs> I, I'm going to advocate for all the parents out there because selfishly, I want to know the answers to a lot of these questions because I was just telling her before, our dentist keeps calling and they're like, your kids need to come in. And I'm honestly afraid to take them in because I'm not sure that I'm going to be in agreement with a course of action because I know like my kids have, they, they've said, you know, well, we need to do protective sealants and we need to be proactive on all their baby teeth and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm not on board with the whole conventional model of how we handle dentistry. And so I need to be more educated is really what I'm trying to say. So I am personally very in interested and invested in this conversation because I, as a parent, don't really know that I have the right questions or even really, you know, I don't know that I fully understand what the best approach is for children because you have their baby teeth and then you have their adult teeth. And 
what we do right now, we've learned this on so many episodes, what we do when they're, they're young, these formidable years, they're going to carry with them forever. I mean, Dr. Molly, did you have a lot of like childhood dentistry? Did you have oh, a lot of work done? Oh, I had a lot. Uh, Stacy, I, I will tell you guys this. Um, I had a problem with drinking too much Coca-Cola and I ate a lot of fudge rounds. And that is the exact truth. And <laughs> <Fudge rounds. laughs> at one time I lived in Topeka, Kansas. The dentist told me, told my parents, like he had so many cavities on one side of his mouth that I lost count because they were small cavities. And I remember I got so used to getting feelings done that I kind of expected it. And I finally made a switch where I'm like, I think I really need to just really brush and floss my teeth a lot. And but it had to do with my digestion. And I know that was a big thing. But yes, I don't have a fear of drills because I had it done so much. So yes, lots of experience in the dentist chair. You got desensitized a bit. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. 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 So I, I'll just add um, before we jump into questions, but I, I love that you're already thinking outside the box for your kids. And it, it is what prompted me to uh, move away from general dentistry. I was a general dentist for many years or a family dentist um, into pediatrics. And the reason is it, I love children, but it wasn't truly my passion for kids. It was that I saw that conventional dentistry was failing mm -hmm. and I needed to get upstream at the root cause. I needed to catch humans before all these issues arose, before they became full-blown fires. And I realized, how do I do that? I have to catch kids and parents and educate early. So that's why I went back to a pediatric program because I know so much of this is preventable if we have education and explanation and we're digging a little bit deeper. Um, and I was just thinking this today before the, we, we jumped on. I think so many dentists get caught up in the minutia of the tooth and we're trained this in dental school. Like we want perfect margins and we want our fillings to be optimal and the bite has to be perfect and the aesthetics, but that really is cosmetic dentistry. And we are dealing with pediatrics, so kids. So we're setting the stage and the foundation for their future. And so it's really so much more about the emotional experience for the child. It's really so much more about the preventative experience for the family, educating them so that these kids don't experience a lot of dental issues. I think the best dentistry is no dentistry um, and we know if we set these kids up early with um, optimal breathing, diet, nutrition, getting their gut health in check, their oral microbiome stable, that they will have a lifetime of oral health, but also systemic health because it's all connected. When we start to talk about like children and when you start off seeing a young one, what are the earliest ages that a parent should consider like bringing their child in when you said no dentistry? I, I like that that terminology, but can you explain about that? Like, okay, so when is the first time I should bring my child in in a holistic viewpoint? Yeah, I mean, I see infants because I am an airway focused dentist also. So I'm helping moms and I'm working with lactation specialists on breastfeeding. So I see littles, but I would say from a more traditional pediatric dental experience, I really do like children to see be seen by the age of one. And what's confusing to parents is they will call their family dentist or maybe their pediatrician is saying, no, they're fine until three or so. I even have heard five now, which those, those recommendations are very antiquated. You know, a cavity can develop the moment a tooth erupts. Um, mm. You can start getting gum disease the moment teeth come in. 
we can also start establishing good oral habits, hygiene, breathing very early. And if we catch things early, we can course correct. We can course correct how a child's breathing. We can mm -hmm. course correct that maybe their hygiene is not optimal and give guidance on that. And then especially when there's food introduction. So, you know, six months, seven months old, once foods are introduced, it's really important to start teaching. Well, what really does cause dental disease? Everyone thinks it's sugar. Yes, but it's also ultra processed foods, flours, you know, um, things that can disrupt the oral microbiome. The products we're using, some of the oral healthcare products are more disruptive than beneficial because they have antimicrobials and alcohols mm. and uh, emulsifiers and surfactants. And what we're learning about now is so much more about the oral microbiome. You know, we've been focused on the gut microbiome for 10, 15 years, but the oral microbiome is now coming front and center, which I'm really excited about. Um, and there is an amazing bi-directional relationship between oral microbiome, gut microbiome. You know, it is the beginning of the digestive system. And unfortunately, dentistry went one way and medicine went another, and everyone thinks the mouth is this separate entity, but what happens in the mouth doesn't stay in the mouth. It absolutely influences other parts of our body, specifically our gut health. And so that is just something to remember when you're saying, well, why do I need to bring my child in so early? We're really, I mean, if you're thinking integratively and functionally, we're looking at all these pieces. I mean, we look at a child's gut health and looking, do they have eczema? Do they have asthma? Um, do they seem to have nutritional deficiencies, which we can see sometimes in the mouth, how their teeth are developing, their airway health, their sleep health. I mean, it's really all integrated. And so that is why I think it's really important to go in early. What, what are those red flags? I, I'm really curious. Like if you start seeing a young one, maybe it's an infant or may, maybe they're a little bit older. What are the first things that you're looking for that you would say, mm, this indicates there's a problem, maybe a, a microbiome problem or mm -hmm. an infection problem? What are those red flags that you as, as the physician are looking for? Yeah, great question. So one of the first things I do when a child walks in is I'm looking at their oral resting posture, meaning is their mouth open? Are they mouth breathing? So that's one of the first things I look at. You can also look at their posture, their gait, um, their facial development and facial structure. You know, do they have dark circles? <clears throat> do they have a presentation that we call adenoid facies? It's basically the long face. It, it looks like your child is suffering from a stuffy nose or allergies, but it's chronic. Mm. So that's one of the first things I look at. But from, you know, when I look inside the mouth, I'm looking to see, is there a lot of biofilm, which is plaque? So do they have a heavy, thick layer of plaque? Do they have a heavy, thick layer of biofilm on their tongue? You know, any sign of gum disease or cavities, that is a sign of oral dysbiosis right there. So we need to dig deeper. And what, where I think conventional dentistry fails is we don't dig deeper. We're just saying, yep, your child has cavities. There's my scheduler. Let's get on the schedule, come back for fillings. But the parents, parents never receive an answer, really, what happened. And I'm finding now so many parents are doing the right things. They're not giving their kids fudge rounds and Coca-Cola. <laughs> like I mean, for sure, that's still happening. But... You know what I mean? Like parents are pretty on top of it and they just don't realize, like they feel I'm doing everything right, but my kid still gets cavities. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And there's so, it's so layered. Um, it can be nutritional deficiencies. They're vitamin D deficient, magnesium deficient. 
Uh, they could have gut dysbiosis, as we mentioned. Cavities are linked to gluten intolerance, celiac disease, mouth breathing absolutely increases cavity risk. So many families aren't educated how important it is to floss because that is disrupting the biofilm between the teeth. So mm -hmm. I really think flossing is more important um, than brushing because we are learning now too. We, we all know about leaky gut. There's mm -hmm. actually leaky gums. So that's wow. gingivitis. So if your gums bleed, you now have created an opening, a method, a way for bacteria, pathological bacteria to get into the lymphatic system, the bloodstream, and it's going all over our bodies, releasing exotoxins and lipopolysaccharides and contributing to heart disease, diabetes, infertility issues, Alzheimer's, dementia, mood disorders, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune diseases. I mean, it goes on and on and on because these bacteria aren't meant to be in these parts and organ mm -hmm. systems in our body. So we want healthy gum tissue. And um, some people just don't realize that, you know, so we say if you if you see pink in the sink, that's a big red flag that you have oral dysbiosis and we need to get that mm -hmm. under control, not only for your oral health, but really more importantly, long term for your systemic health. Um, so emphasizing oral hygiene is so important. I'm looking too a lot at their growth and development. So what does their jaw structure look like? You know, what is their airway structure looking like? We know ancestrally we had really big, wide jaws, big, wide airways, mm -hmm. um, and we are shrinking. Our faces are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And the theories are that it's a lot to do with our lack of chewing. We have stopped chewing as much as we used to. Uh, ancestrally, we used to chew maybe up to four hours a day, and now we chew just a mere few minutes a day because our foods Man. are so processed. Yeah. Um, you know, in the battle between muscle and bone, muscle always wins. So if you're chewing a lot, your tongue, your muscles of mastication, which is muscles of chewing, they're helping form and develop the face with that chewing motion. If you're just mashing food and swallowing, you never grow wide. So you have that long, narrow face, the narrow palate, and that it can affect your airway health, your tongue posture. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, but you know, it, I agree with you. It is hard to find pediatric dentists that are looking at children's oral health this way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're really working hard on it. I think there's a lot of interest in it out there. It's just there's no training program right now. Um, so we're hoping it's a slow movement, but I do see a shift. And mm -hmm. I really do believe that the change in dentistry is going to come from patients and from parents sort of demanding it from providers. We, we have to adapt and change the way we're practicing dentistry because it really is pretty archaic and very antiquated, in my opinion. With, with the education piece, uh, many of the people, the parents out there would ask, when we talk about flossing, right, to disrupt the dysbiosis and the gum issues, and we talked about airways and trying to measure that, what are some of like the first steps, like the easy steps you tell the parents, like to help your child with their oral health, like mm -hmm. to get a child to floss every day or to, um, I'm not a dentist, so I do not know, but I, I've had patients come in and they say it's the hardest thing to get them to do yeah. this or to do that. Are yeah. there some, you know, a couple simple tips or what, how do you start your child on the right steps? Like, this is what we need to do yeah. for your, and holistically to help. Sure. You. So I think my first recommendation would be to start early, 
you know, early introduction, um, because that will just desensitize your child. Um, so for those people who maybe are expecting or they still have a very young baby, mm -hmm. it's, it's not too early to begin an oral hygiene routine. Um, you know, you can use a silicone finger brush or those little banana brushes just when the first teeth come in and make sure, you know, trying to be consistent and repetitive. You can take a little floss pick and just play just so they're getting used to it and you are too. So that mm. is like perfect world textbook. Um, otherwise, you know, toddlers, toddlers have opinions um, and it can be very hard to introduce new things to them. So you never want to do things forcefully, but you know, there are ways to make it fun. You can sing a song, sing ABCs, have a dance party, chase animals around their mouths, you know, try to gamify it. Kids like games. And mm -hmm. so it's not about how long you do it. You know, like we're taught, like you need to brush for two minutes. That's, that's crazy with young kids. Two minutes is forever, but just getting in there, doing a quick brush, a floss, um, I like to lay kids back. So on the changing table is really nice. So you can look down into their mouth. You can engage their eyes. So it's just, there's a little more connection um, and you can be faster. If you can see what you're doing, you can be faster. And then that way too, you know what's happening in your child's mouth. I think so many parents never look in their kids' mouths. Mm -hmm. So I really like to lay kids back um, or on their bed or back in your arms. Some parents will do oral hygiene routines in the bathtub. Um, you just do your best you can and you need to know like some nights will be really great and some nights will be terrible and it's just that consistency so i i like to explain it it's just like your child may hate their car seat you're going to clip them up in the car because that's safe for them many mm -hmm. kids they hate their faces being wiped their hair washed their ears checked we still do these things i i would like parents to think of oral hygiene in a similar way um, I'll be honest, I've never, I'm going into my 18th year of dentistry. I've really never met an adult who remembers their parents brushing their teeth and hold on to this trauma. But we have so many adults who have phobia from dentists fixing their teeth. I mean, mm -hmm. dental phobia is a major issue. So trying to create that slight mindset shift when you're doing this and your child maybe isn't liking it. Um, and, you know, consistency is, is my best advice for you. There are different tools you can play with. I mean, uh, you can try water picks. If you have an older child that just can't floss, they don't like it. Water picks are wonderful. Electric toothbrushes, have them get their favorite character on it. You know, you can create charts. You know, I have charts on my website people can print off. Um, so it's sort of that, you know, it's where we have to pull out the parent hacks you know and really mm -hmm. um sometimes switch it up a lot but i do find like kids whose parents are very consistent by the age of three or so they're pretty compliant they really are um and so if we've missed that window don't feel discouraged but just keep at it and just understand it's all about prevention but the thing is it's not only about hygiene it really is about diet too and so in theory if you are eating an ancestral diet or a more paleo diet, I'm not necessarily advocating that for kids, but you won't get cavities. Cavities come from fermentable carbohydrates. Um, and that is not only the candy bars and the soda and the juice, but the crackers, the pretzels, the chips, the granola bars, the fruit snacks, the dried fruits, the ultra processed foods. And that's what many mm -hmm. parents don't understand. 
So, or, or they haven't been educated properly on. So if you have a child that really struggles, you may want to be very, very cautious with those foods because your child is a higher cavity risk because they're not being as compliant with hygiene. And now we're adding in the top cavity causing foods. Um, I like to teach the kids eat the rainbow. We have rainbows all throughout my office. There, that's, there's a reason for that. I want children to know your beneficial bacteria, your good guys, they like from they like um, prebiotic fiber. That's rainbow foods, right? Mm -hmm. Vegetables and fruit. We don't want to villainize bacteria. We want to teach kids like actually the microbiome is amazing. It's what keeps us healthy and it communicates in so many systems. We want to feed the good guys with rainbow foods. We don't want to feed the bad guys as much with those fun, you know, sugary, flowery, ultra processed foods. So that's that's a way that you can start explaining it to your kids in a kind of full a cool fun way without like shaming them about food but it, we want to support the good guys and not support the bad guys as much okay so i have a question for you because mm -hmm. i swear every parent i talk to their kids all have cavities it's like they take them to the dentist everybody yeah. has cavities so and you know i for sure am like a psycho with the food around here. And so am I, and they, the kids even know if they're going to eat anything bad, they better be really skilled at hiding it from me because I will confiscate it so fast. Yeah. Now, not to say that I'm a control freak. I mean, I am borderline probably with other things, but I, and my kids indulge in some stuff, but I'm just saying like, they have a very clean diet yet. I swear every time I take the two older girls, it's like, okay, well, this one has this cavity and this one we need to watch and this one. And I'm thinking, Okay, can these things be healed? Because that's where I am. I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm avoiding the dentist and their phone calls. They keep repeatedly calling me saying, "We need to get your kids in, get them scheduled for their cavity." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, battery yeah. schedule." So anyway, now after this conversation, I'm I'm hoping I'll have like better action steps here. But okay, so the cavities for the kids, can we heal them? Are they reversible? Yeah. Are they damaging their permanent teeth? Because that's what they're telling. Me, they're like, oh, if you let this go, it's going to rot their permanent teeth and then they're going to have real problems down the road, mm -hmm. which totally freaks me mm -hmm. out. So yeah, we can debunk of all of this. So um, cavities <laughs> are the number one chronic disease in humans globally. Wow. Um, wow. And it, it makes sense. I mean, 80% of children by teen years have had a cavity. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just what we're diagnosing. There's a lot walking around that aren't being diagnosed, right? So what gives? I hear all the time from families, like, I'm very strict with diet. My kids are still getting cavities. What's going on? So that's where I think we're missing the, the mark in conventional dentistry. You haven't received answers to that. So obviously, I would need to see your children. The first thing I think of is mouth breathing. Are they mouth breathers? Do they sleep with their mouth open at night, even during the day? And that's because when we breathe through our mouths at night, our mouths dry out. So we lose all that beneficial saliva. Um, saliva is very healing. It has a lot of healthy ions, micronutrients in it. Plus it's hydrating, um, has a lot of important enzymes. It's very protective of our teeth. So your mouth dries out, making you more prone to cavities, but also the pH drops. So mm -hmm. pathogenic bacteria love acid. They thrive in acidic environments. We want a more alkaline or neutral pH of our saliva or mouth. So that's why the first thing I think of is mouth breathing. Next, I will look into like, are you flossing? Are they flossing regularly? Because if we're not, it could definitely just be something as simple as that. I also want to know what is their gut health like, because it is bi-directional. 
So do they have some sort of dysbiosis in their in their gut? And I have to unpack that a lot with the families. There's a whole intake form I do on that. But also um, hypoplastic enamel or undermineralized enamel is becoming, I think, a silent epidemic. And that's when developmentally teeth form missing minerals. So they're very chalky and susceptible to decay. Even if you're doing everything right, they're just set up for failure. We don't fully understand all the reasons. You will hear from other dentists a lot of this. If it's in baby teeth, you know, this is happening in utero. So is it vitamin D deficiency, vitamin K2 or fat soluble vitamin deficiencies with the mom, mineral deficiencies? It can be gluten intolerance. Um, we also transmit our microbiomes to each other. So you, your baby gets their microbiome from their mother even the oral microbiome and then caregivers. So if you have cavities or gum disease or periodontal disease, you could be inoculating your children with this or other caregivers in the family. So just be aware of that. So no kissing on the lips, sharing utensils. Um, but I did just read this new study I had come out. Now it is an animal study, it was in rats, but it's very eye-opening. They are finding that endocrine disrupting chemicals like phthalates and BPA, are inhibiting the ameloblasts, that's the enamel forming cells from properly developing enamel. And so this is an amazing study for me because I see these kids coming in with this undermineralized enamel all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's rampant. And I'm just trying to think why, 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 why is this happening so much more than it was a decade ago? And it could be microplastics, to be honest with you. So that's sort of like a lot of things I think of. Now, to answer your question, can you heal cavities? Can you reverse cavities? Yes, you absolutely can if they're cut early. And I would say if they're still in the enamel, um, there is a different, I look at baby teeth a little bit differently than adult teeth. So with baby teeth, I'll be a little more flexible if their cavity is a little bit beyond the enamel. I know I can't heal it or reverse it, but I could stabilize it or arrest it or slow its progression until the tooth falls out. That's the goal. There's just so many things I'm thinking of. Um, I'm trying to think of the emotional health of the child. Would they sit for a filling? What would that look like for them? Do they need an anesthesia? Can I actually justify putting a child under anesthesia for fillings? And sometimes I have to. Um, but smaller cavities can be arrested or reversed. There's different protocols out there. You'll hear some doctors are using silver diamine fluoride or SDF. I personally don't use that in my office for several reasons. I mean, it's 45,000 parts per million fluoride per drop, which is a lot. Um, it also tastes terrible. So the kids, <laughs> they leave having an awful experience. It turns the teeth black, so like the cavity. So especially in upper anterior teeth, People are painting it on, you know, young child's teeth. And I think it does create social, um, social issues for the kids, you know, and, it, and even the parents, like you look over your child with black teeth, there's just that, that guilt that you feel. And so that's, again, emotional health of the, of the, of the dyad and of the tribe and of the family is very important. So we use a combination of ozone, um, gas and oil and water and then hydroxyapatite which is a mineral, it's a remineralizing mineral that's being found in more and more toothpaste now, but we use kind of a combination um, of that protocol in my office. It's been very, very successful. We mm -hmm. also have an oral microbiome reset program that we, we have for patients, and we're doing oral microbiome testing too with the kids, which is a spit test. Um, we also vitamin D test a lot of these kids. So 
if if I do see children with just this cavities after cavities after cavities, I really want to know what their vitamin D is. And so many pediatricians are not running these tests for various reasons. And it's kind of frustrating. It, it's hard to even get the pediatricians to run vitamin D tests sometimes. So we have finger prick tests that we'll offer. And it just gives you a, I mean, they're pretty reliable, but it gives you a range to say, oh my gosh, your child is in the single digits for vitamin D. Like we need to get them supplemented. Um, and I've seen that so many times. These kids are just walking around extremely vitamin D deficient. So it, it, again, there's quite a lot that can go into it, but cavities can be healed and reversed. Um, I, I, there's a lot of naysayers out there, but I will tell you, I've been doing it in my office for almost a decade. Um, you, you have to be selective with the cases. So you do need to work with a provider. You shouldn't just necessarily be doing this at home on your own. Um, but it does work and the protocols do work. I mean, our teeth demineralize and remineralize all day, every day. Mm. Every time we put something into our mouth, besides water, arguably, there is a demineralization effect. We, we Minerals are leached out through the saliva. It's because there's pH shifts. But if we allow the mouth a time to rest, then the pH will rise, the minerals, it kind of get pushed back in. I'm oversimplifying that. But so, but all day, every day, we're demineralizing, remineralizing. So we know this process can happen. That is another thing. If, if a child keeps coming in with cavities, I want to understand their eating frequency. So it's not only about what they're eating, but how often. So every time we eat or sip on something, the pH of our mouth drops. Mm. We need to allow our mouths, just like you need to allow your gut time to rest, right? Mm -hmm. That's this constant snacking and sipping. It's really causing um, some detrimental effects. And so because our pH will then always be acidic. Every mm -hmm. time you're throwing crackers or you know, ideally um, anything, sugar, flour, fermentable carbohydrates, the pH will drop. And so if you're snacking and so many of these ultra processed foods are made to be snacked upon, you know, you eat a little bit, you go do something, you come back to the bag, you grab some more, you throw them in your mouth. So I want to understand eating frequency. We really tr should try to be on a schedule and, and ideally allowing like two hours between meals or snacks if you can. Mm -hmm. The other thing, too, I think people don't realize is the damage that drinks can have. It's not just soda. I think everyone knows that now, but juices, sports drinks, kombucha, which everyone thinks is healthy, but it's mm -hmm. pretty acidic and there is a lot of sugar in it. Um, coconut waters, a lot of them have added sugar to them. So you have to be really careful with the drinks, too. When you have uh, a frequency of eating and it's happening often during the day, one question I wanted to ask, I mean, for my patients, when we talk about how to treat the gums or how to remineralize, if the child is trained to have snacks often, are there any types of mineral, you know, liquid minerals? Are there something that you suggest on your website that says we want to go ahead and use these types of minerals to help heal the gut, also to help with the teeth? Is that even an option or does that make sense to yeah. uh, even ask that question? And are there any types of oils, like essential oils or things that you recommend that they rub on the child's teeth to actually help just in that area in case they do have like a sore or they have some mm -hmm. kind of area that's inflamed? It's a two-part question, but yeah. I wanted to see if there's any options. Yeah, I do like minerals. Um, so, you know, if you follow or are familiar with Western Price's work, I, mm -hmm. I suggest people read, it, read about that. I mean, it's like the ancestral diet, but we are deficient you know, globally, arguably from fat soluble vitamins and minerals. So I do like 
kids, at least on a vitamin D3, K2, talk about eating the rainbow, but a lot of us are filtering our water now too. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, especially reverse osmosis, I really do like trace minerals to be put back into the diet in some form. Um, I do, I'm a big fan of organ meat too. It's hard to get kids to eat that. I have some recipes um, and ways to, to incorporate that in, like doing half an organ meat blend ground meat with regular burger and making like taco meat and burgers that way. Um, mm-hmm. Or opening up a capsule of desiccated organs um, and putting it in scrambled eggs, something of that nature. Um, but yeah, there's trace minerals. Um, Quicksilver has a great Quinton, you know, sea salt mineral. There's Redmond has some minerals. Cellcore has some like CT minerals. There's a lot of great minerals out there. I do have a product guide that people can check out. And I have like a full script account with things that I recommend. For sure, helping support the child nutritionally through the Western Price Principles, through the more of an ancestral diet. People are doing a lot of cod liver oil. So I, you know, be cautious with that because it does have vitamin D and A in it. So you don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love cod liver oil, fermentable foods, incorporating those in as much as possible. Naturally fermentable foods is great too. Yeah. I mean, I think diet really does help. Um, and we do talk about that in my office. The big things I, I, I emphasize over and over again is vitamin D, K2, magnesium, vitamin D, K2, magnesium, because these things are needed for optimal calcium um, deposition. Mm-hmm. And that can help with gut. You know, I think enzymes too. This is, we work with a lot of naturopathic doctors and functional medicine doctors, especially ones that focus on pediatric gut health. So we work together and sometimes they will do like um, some gut mapping or GI mapping and Mm -hmm. lo and behold, they have parasites or they're not absorbing nutrients very well. So their parents have been, you know, giving them vitamin D, but never have been tested. And then we see they're extremely deficient and we're trying to figure out why. So we try to like unpack why they're not absorbing their their vitamins and minerals effectively and efficiently. So there's that. And then essential oils. So essential oils is tricky. Essential oils can disrupt the microbiome, um, Mm. including the beneficial bacteria. So you want to be cautious. I know there's a lot of oral health care products and rinses that are very, very high in essential oils. I'm not a huge fan of those. I think they're doing more harm than good because they're not really selective and they can be damaging the healthy bacteria also. There's different herbs I like, like biocidin, dentalcidin. They're really mm-hmm. great um, products, I think, at least until we get um, a disease state stabilized. If you're suffering from gum disease, something to look into is your is vitamin C and collagen um, and your B vitamins and zinc. Those are all really important for, for gum health as well. If you do have a sore, I mean, I will say like very diluted oregano oil can be amazing. I've seen parents do really cool things with oregano oil because it is um, antimicrobial and it, it can help with with sores and, and things in the mouth. If you mm. have ulcers a lot in the mouth, I want to know why. Like some patients that get chronic ulcerations in their mouth, the first thing I ask, what toothpaste are you using? Does it have sodium lauryl sulfate in it? or another type of emulsifier, because that can be very disruptive and irritating to the mucosa. But also, I think Crohn's, celiac, you know, gut health issues, because if you're getting ulcers here, you're very likely having issues downstream too. Um, It is all the same tube. But yeah, I like clove oil too. Very diluted clove oil can be really nice for teething. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
there, you know, some parents will use cell salts as well for remineralization protocols. And there's not a ton of data on this, but it can't hurt. It's, it's just like homeopathy. I'm a big fan. We suggest Arnica and Camellia for teething and all of these things for families. Um, and, you know, parents report a lot of positive outcomes from using them. So it's the same with cell salts. I, you know, I, I support that as part of my protocol too, if families are interested. My biggest thing is I don't like to overwhelm families with this like laundry list of all these things you have to do because then it's just too much. And there's already too much information out there and people are getting anxious. So we just try to work with families to just make small changes, like the littlest things like, okay, let's just start flossing one night a week and let's just get some more water in your child's diet. And then, you know, Maybe we just try to get more on a schedule with eating and we just start there, you know, so you just kind of chip away that way. Mm, this mm. is great. These are super practical tips. So I hope this is serving everybody that's listening because that's really what it comes down to. Like we all want to learn this information and then we all need to figure out how do we implement it in our life? Like, what does this look like in my family's life, in our own homes? Yes. And so I feel like this is really, these are useful tips and I've used the clove oil, diluted clove oil for Marley, the baby. Um, with teething. And that's been awesome. I actually need to start doing a little bit better job. She only has two teeth, but I should start like brushing her teeth, <laughs> which I meant to ask you, you know, for infants. And we talk about those like little silicone finger brushes. And so that that's, that's what I have, but we're, I'm assuming like, we're not using any type of toothpaste or anything like that. Right. We have to address toothpaste because yeah, the, the, this is, you know, you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to a natural grocer and still buy toothpaste that is laced with all kinds of things that you probably yeah. wouldn't want to put in your yes. mouth. And there's a lot yes. of greenwashing. So yes. I would love to know, Thank Dr. You. Whitman, what, what, what do we need to do about the toothpaste situation for the kids? Sure. So with your baby, I think water is just fine. Um, you can do a little dab of hydroxyapatite if you wanted. I just don't think you need to. I like toothpaste to be introduced for sure when molars come in. So that's, you know, one year old to 15 months, 18 months old mm -hmm. or so. That's my take on it. But, you know, I really want parents looking too. if they start seeing like demineralization, it's basically like white lines on the teeth. Go see a dentist. But that's the time like, man, I want hydroxyapatite up there because there's some imbalance happening, whether it's a hygiene issue or an airway issue, something is happening. So that those white spots or white lines, sometimes in early with young kids that you're seeing, that can be demineralization. It also can be hypoplastic enamel. It can be fluorosis from too much fluoride. It's hard to say. That's why I want you seeing a dentist. So toothpaste. I'm a big advocate for hydroxyapatite. I love it. I love the research coming out about it. So over 90% of our enamel is comprised of hydroxyapatite, which is essentially like a calcium and phosphorus mineral blend. Mm -hmm. um, our bone is like 60%. So this is what's in our teeth already. Our teeth do not have fluoride in them. So that is generally what I recommend. And fluoride obviously is a whole separate topic. But I do agree with you, there are many additives, even in the clean brand. So right now there's some brands I recommend, but do I think they're perfect? I don't. I don't think I have yet to see a, a perfect toothpaste on the market. And it's because of what, how I'm now studying the oral microbiome. And we're just mm -hmm. learning more and more that some of these emulsifiers and surfactants, even if they're coconut derived or 
they're not, you know, it's not true sodium lauryl sulfite, but it's a sodium lauryl sulfite derivative. It still is having impacts and effects. The sweeteners that we're using, whether it's sorbitol or erythritol, like we're doing more research on that and understanding, whoa, wait, <laughs> you know, this could be disrupting our oral microbiome mm -hmm. and with the communication of these bacteria and um, affecting the, how they proceed in mineralizing our teeth because our bacteria help with the mineralization process too. You know, glycerin is a hot topic. I have yet to see solid data saying that glycerin inhibits the uptake of minerals, you know, or it, that's what you're reading online. It's like it doesn't allow the toothpaste to work because it creates this coating on the teeth. I've yet to see any data. And clinically, I will tell you that definitely isn't happening because I have patients using these hydroxyapatite toothpaste with glycerin and mm. they're they're working you know, maybe it delays it. I don't know. I don't love glycerin though, not for the mineralization reason because of the oral microbiome reason. I don't fully understand what it's doing to the oral microbiome. I just think less is more. We're adding too much garbage into our toothpaste, like the dyes and the flavors and, you know, the stabilizers and the foaming. Foaming and burning is bad. We do not want our toothpaste to foam. We don't want it to burn. This is a mindset shift. It's gonna take time for people to get used to it. They, mm -hmm. might, they might not, but all of that is wiping out your microbiome. I mean, we're just carpet bombing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with like hand sanitizer and like bleach everywhere. Now our kids have so many allergies and eczema and these like kind of autoimmune issues because we've over disinfected. It's the same with the mouth. You don't wanna disinfect the mouth. You want to support the beneficial bacteria. You want to nourish and lift up and crowd out the bad, right? So it's the same, like what we do with gut health too. So um, I think there's room for improvement in the marketplace. That being said, you know, I do right now recommend Risewell toothpaste for kids. It's a micro hydroxyapatite. Um, most of that is because of the flavor. Kids like the flavor that they have. It's like kind of a vanilla flavor. Um, I personally use Boca, which is a nano hydroxyapatite. There's other competitors on the market um, I can't get into all of them. I recommend these two specific ones for reasons. I think a lot of the competitors, they either don't have enough hydroxyapatite in them. They're using too many essential oils. They just have other ingredients in them I don't care for. A lot of it has to do with critical pH. I mean, it can get really nerdy into the biochemistry of it, but some of them are promoting things that I think don't work the way they claim they do in the mouth, mm -hmm. um, like like powders and things. I, I think it's pretty hard to have a lot of success with some powder. The best nanohydroxyapatites really come in liquid form. So that would have to be a paste thing, just like minutia like that. People can always reach out to me on social if they have specific questions, but um, I really do like hydroxyapatite and the research is very, it's really coming out a lot about how it is as effective as fluoride, if not more, more effective, especially in the nano form. Now, I'm not trying to switch gears too much, but something struck me when you talked about when you start early and how Courtney talked about what are the certain things you do when you're, you know, when they're an infant, basically. Mm -hmm. Is there a connection with a mother's health when they breastfeed with them having an infection, such as, let's say, a strep or a staph? What if they had high amounts of yeast? Can that infection in some ways transmit to the young one and get into their gut and digestive system and cause some inflammation within the gums? Because 
in Chinese medicine, what we always talk about is the gums are always associated with the strength of the stomach and the spleen. Mm -hmm. And you'll oftentimes, and I know you know this doc, you'll find like the infections or inflammation in the digestive tract. And, and if it's trying to be filtered out, then through like the kidneys or the liver, a lot of um, the indications they say with the teeth in Chinese medicine have to do with the kidneys. So they may not be mineralizing very well because the kidneys are, are tired. Yeah. Do you see that where you ask the parent, like, have they had an infection and now this is transmitting to the child? Not to blame the parents or shame them. I just totally. wanted to see what your thoughts I are. I feel that. I feel that one, Chris. Yeah. Was, you know what, Courtney? <laughs> not now. Okay? You know Let the doctor speak. It's, I We're know. We're going out. I know. This, okay? Like it's this. Friday. I'm just having Going out like this, okay? Because you don't want to, like, point fingers or place blame. So you, you do need to be very mindful about how you present some of this information to patients. Mm -hmm. um, but I do see, yes, if moms during pregnancy are particularly depleted, it's particularly vitamin D deficiency, mm -hmm. their, their children will be often more susceptible. I'm glad you brought up yeast. So candida is highly linked to increased cavities. And so uh, a lot of babies, I, you know, we're getting candida in the mouth and mom's getting it on her breast and then the teeth come in and then they have yeast in the mouth. And um, so that is part of the oral microbiome, you know, yeast, fungi too, and resetting that and trying to crowd out those mm -hmm. and dealing with those we, however we may with herbs or supplements or there's different pr products we recommend if it's yeast. So yes, I do agree the you know in utero is when it's like week 16 or 17 when primary teeth start developing so you know if moms get high fevers if they're on antibiotics if they have a really stressful traumatic event i think that all can contribute to the formation of the teeth and mm -hmm. then the how the birth happens as well um really can too where they preemies were in the nicu were they intubated were they on a lot of antibiotics and this is why it can be really hard to kind of unpack some of the reasoning. So it's so hard. I mean, we've lost our tribes, like women are working and managing households and taking care of the kids. And we're just not, we're just not able to like rest and support ourselves. I think like we used to, I mean, when a woman became pregnant ancestrally, like they really were treated well, <laughs> they were asked to rest and taken care of by, by the others in the in the group and um so i just think it's really hard for women to support themselves during pregnancy but you just do the best you can you know work with a provider who's setting you up for success making sure you're getting your good omega-3s and you're really hydrated and you're getting trace minerals and all those fat soluble vitamins and resting as best as you can but even then things can be unpredictable but yeah, it is it is all interconnected for sure. And, and it, it does start with the mom, but I will say it takes two to tango and, you know, fathers were, were showing like there's genetic predispositions that are carried through for the father as well mm -hmm. with enamel defects and things, in particular like fertility, you know, men with gum disease and periodontal disease. They have um, issues with sperm motility and sperm mobility, and that's where the fertility links come in. It can take couples, their studies were showing, I think, three to six months longer to conceive if one of the parents has periodontal disease or gum disease. And it's because of those exotoxins and the lipopolysaccharides and essentially leading to chronic inflammation.
That wow. is amazing. I'm sorry, Courtney, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that I just, I, I mean, I, the connection with fertility is so surprising and not, not surprising because we, we, we always talk about how the body's so connected, but like how many people are probably struggling with that? And the last thing you're ever looking at is your oral health. I know. I know we're trying to work with more fertility clinics on this as well, because it's, mm. it's could be, you know, no one is screening for periodontal disease. And that could be something very easy to at least stabilize with some ozone water rinses and, you know, probiotics. This is where oral microbiome testing is really cool. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the test I like right now, it's, it utilizes shotgun metrogenomics. It's the first test. First of all, it's kind of direct to consumer. So you can just buy one and do it at home, mm -hmm. but it's the first test to really look at all 700 species plus of bacteria in the mouth. Now we don't all, all of us don't have 700. We have what we think around 200, but mm -hmm. a lot of the tests in the dental offices, the, the biome testing they're doing, they're really, really looking at like the top five to 12 most common mm -hmm. path, pathogens. So this one's very cool because it's looking at everything and it is actually looking at diversity and it's looking at, it breaks it down specifically to like bacteria that cause cavities, bacteria that cause gum disease, bacteria that cause halitosis. It will look at gut health also. I mean, it's really great. And wow. every, every month they're just like launching bigger and better things. They offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for patients. So bristle health is, is if you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on with my mouth. I can't figure this out. That could be a nice metric to have to really see where is your oral microbiome. Because unfortunately, some of these bacteria, they do need antibiotics, they do. And so we need to know that. But if we're not testing, we're just throwing antibiotics at everyone that has periodontal disease. Well, that's not helpful either. So it's just nice to have a way to measure uh, now. And this is where I'm excited about dentistry is like, instead of just being technicians, who just like tinkering away on teeth, we're actually becoming physicians. And we're really looking at the whole patient with labs, Hopefully with, I mean, I would love to see dentists start gut mapping. I think they should be. I mean, it is so connected. So it's, there's a lot to talk about for sure. Oh, definitely doc. <laughs> and I have the utmost respect for dentistry and with oral health because in my practice, whenever I thought I was, you know, smart and I could figure all these things out with my patients. And I had a good friend who's a biological dentist here in town and he would just give me these aha moments. He would say, you know, that there could be some evidence of, like you say, disease in the gums, and that could be causing a systemic global effect on the body. Yeah. When you're talking about exotoxins, we, you're saying that the infections in the mouth, like there could be seepage. Could that happen mm -hmm. too? Like you're saying like through the bloodstream or through the lymph nodes, could yeah. that actually get into the heart and through the systemically? Yes. Can that happen? Yes. Yes, they're even finding now, so um, P. gingivalis is the big bad one that we're finding, especially in the brains of um, patients who have passed from Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And we're finding, so it's not only their, their exotoxins, but they actually can hitch a ride in the bloodstream, in the lymphatic system, pass the blood-brain barrier, they're actually moving along our trigeminal nerves, our optic nerves, our olfactory nerves, um, I mean, they are sneaky, sneaky little critters. Wow. So oral health, I mean, I just think it can't be overemphasized how important it is. And I, I, I'm happy to see more people are excited about this topic and excited about getting their kids starting off on the right foot. 
But I will say too, it's important to get your oral health under control as best you can as a parent, again, because we do tend to share microbes. And so, um, you know, if we're sharing utensils, drinking after each other, you know, kisses, it's kind of funny, you know, when we kiss our partners, we're exchanging bacteria. I mean, you are, it's something to think about. So not to get too intense. I mean, make us feel real nice and warm and cozy. And be like, you know, here's, can you take this microbiome test? Before, like, yeah. Like, Maybe the best thing dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. So first of all, I yeah, need yeah, to know your oral health. I know. Uh, so many things about it, So these are important things that we need to, we really need to hash out. So I'm glad that we, I'm glad we're addressing them. If you're, if you're looking for a life partner right now, you may want to request a GI. Hey, if it's going to tell the, the health of an individual for the long run, I am yeah. not kidding. Like, when the oral health, you know, if it can go globally and there's issues where you can actually measure uh, the bacteria, I, I think it's so profound because um, I had a patient one time, doc, that had, well, she still is working with it, but had swelling on this, the side of her esophagus. Mm. And from my indication, she would test positive for strep and H. pylori. And so she went to a good doctor. She found a good dentist that was measuring different types of bacteria. And they did deeper research and they found like small cavitations in the jawbone. Yeah. But I'm not trying to switch from pediatrics, but the doctor had said these bacteria and she showed it to me and she had high amounts, doc, of like eight different types. He goes, you probably had these since you were a kid. Yeah. Like since you were very young and it's yeah. now manifesting itself and allowing yeah. all these other infections to come to play. It's the rain barrel effect. Like we talk about all the time in functional medicine. It just our bodies are amazing and they can tolerate so much and we can detoxify so much until we can't just build and build and build and build. And this is where the whole root canal thing comes into. At the very least, we don't need to get into root canals. I know all about cavitations and root canals mm -hmm. too. Just being mindful of it. I don't like fear mongering and making everyone think they need to run out and have every root canal tooth in their mouth extracted, but they should be properly examined. And most dentists aren't. You really do need 3D imagery, the CBCT, to really see if there is any sort of pathology happening with your root canal. Mm. I'm not just a standard x-ray. And so you should be doing that every three to five years, I think. Just knowing too, if you have these unresolved you know, health issues that you can't figure out, really looking toward the mouth, it, I would highly suggest that. And you know, mercury fillings, of course, um, are not optimal or ideal. Um, I think the public is learning, you know, we're steering away from that as a profession, um, even though we're not publicly announcing it. Mm -hmm. Fewer and fewer dentists are placing the alloy mercury fillings, but there's a lot that could go into it. So I think, again, setting your kids up on the right foot and on the right path just to avoid all these issues. Like, can you imagine like your child is never having to have any of these procedures done? Mm -hmm. and, and I do have to say, you know, all hopes not lost. Baby teeth, they do fall out. At the end of the day, listen, they fall out. They're practice teeth. So we made some mistakes. We didn't know. We weren't educated properly. That's on us. That's not on parents. That is on the dental profession, in my opinion. We are not teaching the, the right things early enough. So your child gets cavities, well, never no foul. The whole idea is we want to ultimately prevent issues in the adult teeth. Because yes. these sets, this set of teeth, they need to last us for decades, I mean, humans are living, I predict we're gonna live into our 120s with the latest 
technologies and you know longevity research and everything so we need our teeth to last us a long time you know yes. so really trying to prioritize them because they're important for not only mastication and chewing and nutrition but you know socially it does make you feel good to have a nice smile it's part of how we communicate it's also how part of how we breathe it's part of our craniofacial respiratory complex and also it helps so much with posture and alignment your bite you know if your bite is off and this is a whole other podcast but you know we oh we got to do it Osteop with you know osteopathic yes. medicine and cranial sacral and all of that. But if your if your bite is off, you know everything is off. The whole system is off. So mm. occlusion is really important too. Doc, I mean, okay. Side note: This was really cool. I was uh, had friends that went to a conference down in Brazil, and it had it had different you know oral surgeons, dentists, and they were showing postural X rays, and they would take full spine X rays. Mm-hmm. And they were showing how they could align the person's spine by changing the bite patterns in their 100%. mouth, like showing yeah. it after six months. And I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? And they're like, no. no, it was like all the way transitioning down their spine, mm-hmm. scoliosis going away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was dumbfounded. Because like, it's, it's the craniofacial respiratory complex. So it starts here. This is part of your airway which is why um, we prioritize airway assessments in, in my patients. I'll be mm. honest with you, I barely look at teeth anymore. <laughs> I do, but I feel like I'll talk to a parent for like 40 minutes and then all of a sudden be like, yeah, uh, their teeth look great. You know, like eh, no cavities, but I wanted, there's so much more for me to talk about. It's more important for that child long-term than mm. their baby teeth, in my opinion. That's obviously... Probably not everyone agrees with that, but I just think we're approaching pediatric dentistry wrong. That's my take. Mm -hmm. It's less about the perfect filling and the perfect crown. And does, you know, is my colleague going to rant and rave and, or say that I'm the best dentist ever by how, you know, what type of procedures I do. I think it's less about that. Save that for like cosmetic Hollywood dentistry. It's more about education, experience, catching things early, catching things upstream, course correcting while they're still so young and everything is so important how they're growing and oxygenating and sleeping and hormone development and all of that is so important in these formative years that's what pediatric dentistry should be more about so good doc so good okay i love where we've gone with this conversation because it's been super helpful i want to ask one more thing because i feel like maybe this will bring it all together if we can't access, like if they're a parent and you're like, oh, we just don't have somebody like this where I live. Like I can't, I wish yeah. I had somebody that I could take my child to that would work with me and that I could trust, you know, that mm-hmm. that they're going to handle my child's oral health in, in a way that, you know, I believe is hitting the mark. So say they have their normal dentist they're going to, what are the non-negotiables? Like what, where is it? Because I have no problem going in and saying, no, we're not doing the x-rays this time. Nope. We're not doing the fluoride. Nope. We're not doing, you know, whatever, because I just, you know, and parents, but the the problem is we just don't know a lot of times, you know, maybe we know about the fluoride and stuff like that, but you know, going to a conventional dentist, say you don't have the option to work with somebody else. If you're taking your child in, what is it that you would say they're like, no, this is an absolute, like you need to know, like that even if they suggest this, and I realize this is probably, you can't say like absolute definites on probably anything, but I'm just, this is me yeah, from the parenting aspect, you know, really yeah. wanting to know like, what is it that's necessary? And what is it that absolutely like, if you do this, there is a potential negative outcome for your child 
five years or 10 years down the road? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, 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 it's good. I'm trying Let's to be think thoughtful. about it. <laughs> I'm thoughtful in my answer. So, um, materials, and that's one of the first The first thing I would say is show me the x rays. So many dentists don't even explain anything to the family. Show you the x rays. Have them show you where the cavity is. Have them explain to you is it in the enamel? Is it through the enamel? Is it close to the nerve or is it in the nerve or is there an infection okay those are the the top things the next question is how close is this tooth to exfoliating how much time do we have what if we wait what are the risks of waiting doctor uh my child has this cavity but isn't experiencing any pain or discomfort what are the risks what can i do to kind of stabilize it and maybe hope that the tooth falls out those are some of the things Now, this all depends on age. I will say if you have a very young child with what I would say is like rampant decay, and we see this in like two and three-year-olds, it's such a bummer, but we do. Huge cavities all throughout the mouth, you very likely need traditional dentistry because that child needs those teeth. We keep our molars, our first molars till we're nine or 10, our second molars till we're 11 or 12. But if you have an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old and now they're being diagnosed with cavities, these teeth are pretty darn close to falling out. So just mm-hmm. give me more context here. Um, that's what I would say with that. Um, the next thing I would say, uh, I mean, I think I encourage you to ask why. Hey, doc, can you spend five minutes with me and help me unpack why my child has cavities? They'll be taken aback because they don't have time to do that because most offices are just like turn and burn, cranking out patients and they don't they don't spend any time educating but i would encourage you to say listen we don't eat candy bars we don't drink soda we floss and brush why does my child have cavities mm-hmm. challenge your dentist to answer these questions for you and i really respect when a provider will say i don't know i respect someone that says that i don't know but let's figure it out together i respect that instead of like brushing it off so that's mm-hmm. the next thing materials matter i apps one for sure, no way, Jose, is do not allow a dentist to put mercury fillings into your child. Fewer and fewer are doing that. Unfortunately, I still think some Medicaid offices are. They can do the composite fillings, ask them. I mean, you know, most insurances are covering the composite fillings now. So I, I'm pretty passionate about that. There's no business for mercury in our, our babies, um, especially as they're growing and their brains are developing and all of this. Mm-hmm. I would ask if they have BPA-free products. You know, I use ceramic-based products in my um, office. They're the cleanest on the market. Are they perfect? No, but they're absolutely the best there are. Again, the best dentistry is no dentistry. So, um, but if you, you know, I'd ask them the materials they use and would they be willing to order you a specific material? And you might need to pay extra for it, but if it's really important for you to have like plastic-free phthalate three bpa free materials would they be willing to allow you to order that would they use them on your child you know i think a lot of pediatric dentists are very aggressive with their treatment plannings i see a lot of i i see a lot of second and third and fourth opinions in my office that's sort of what we do i see a lot of kids that maybe just seen a couple fillings in their treatment plan for extensive crowns and root canals and things and it's disappointing so um, it's not to say all dentists are doing that, and 
but there are some out there. So I really encourage parents to get second opinions, third opinions. It cannot hurt. Every dentist is different. Every dentist treatment plan is different. So mm -hmm. don't feel you're stuck at one office. Like go, go. It can be, uh, it can be hard. There's new patient paperwork. You have to transfer records, but I think it's worth it. If, especially trust your intuition, really trust your intuition. Do you resonate with this provider? If you don't, there's so many providers, there's so many dentists, you know, it's okay to go elsewhere. feel empowered to do that. Fluoride, that's personal. Let's, let's pretend you, let's just say you do not use fluoride in your home. I do not use fluoride in my home. It is okay to say, no, thank you. You don't need to get into a big, long conversation. Just say, you know what? We're not going to do the floor today. Thank you for offering. It is an added service. I do not know how we got to the place we are now where fluoride is being pushed on every patient, regardless of their cavity risk. I mean, we're doing it on patients without any history of any disease ever. We're supposed to be doing caries risk assessments um, and then suggesting the fluoride. But I will tell you, this is me being cynical. Fluoride is a big money maker in an office. I, I can say that because I don't do it much in my office and I saw how mm -hmm. much revenue I lost a year, but it was the right move for me because I don't believe it's necessary for health. And I personally think the um, downstream effects outweigh. I would rather spend time educating the family on other things because no one's fluoride deficient. We do not get cavities from lack of fluoride. Yeah. So if you say that to a parent and say no thank or sorry, say that to a doctor, say no thank you, we we don't want the fluoride application today, and they give you a hard time, second opinion time. Go somewhere else. Like I, I do think more and more dentists are being respectful about this. I will say they're probably more of the younger generation dentists. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's okay to it's okay to go somewhere somewhere that respects you and your choices. And what they should do is have a really calm, rational conversation with you. Now, there used to be some kids I would still recommend some fluoride. And now I have nanohydroxyapatite in my life, so I don't need to. But, you know, maybe if your child's extremely high risk, you do use a fluoride toothpaste for a short period of time until their disease is stable. So just, you know, you could be open-minded to some of these things too, but um, find someone that resonates with you. X-rays, X-rays are tricky. We do need X-rays. I can't do my job without X-rays. I see so much more from an X-ray, honestly, than I sometimes cut in the mouth. However, I think we request X-rays too frequently and it's based on how often insurance pays for them rather than prescribing them as a, patient really needs. So again, have an open conversation. If your child has never had cavities, it's reasonable to go every two years instead of every year. There are some offices taking x-rays every six months. I think that's crazy. That's way too much, um, in my opinion. Now, if you're watching a cavity or there's an area we're watching or you had trauma, yes, sometimes we do like to take frequent x-rays to make sure things aren't going awry. There's not an infection brewing. Um, we do need, you know, I do really like the panoramic x-ray at around the age six because that that's that big x-ray you take of the jaw. I'm looking for airway health. I'm looking for missing teeth, extra teeth, cysts. I'm looking at their septum. Is it deviated? Do they have an infection in their sinus? I'm looking for TMJ issues. There's a lot I'm looking for that if we catch early, the outcomes can be better. So mm. I have a x-ray detox protocol that I share with parents, you know, reach out to me if you'd like to see that too. 
um, because, you know, radiation is cumulative. And it, it, I, I think Dennis like, rolled their eyes at you and poo-poo it. I, I am disappointed by that. But, you know, you, it is pretty minimal exposure with the digital x-rays, but we want to still be very mindful about it and at least respectful of parents' concerns. Gosh, did I answer enough? Yeah. That's no, I, this is this is so good. This is re honestly really, really helpful because those are all things that I've thought about. And I haven't felt fully confident in my ability to kind of back it up. Like I kind of go yeah. in there with these questions, but the problem is that, you know, the dentist is going to give me their opinion. And then I'm kind of like, eh, don't know about that. So then I kind of go back and I'll text Chris or something <laughs> about this. So, yeah. you know, I have to kind of like, you have to do the work. And so that's, that's what's hard. And I know that that's the story for so many families is that, we want to do right by our children. We're advocating for their health when they they don't they don't get a vote. They don't you know they go where we tell them to go and they eat the foods that we make for them. Yeah. And if we mess it up, like you know, and listen, I was eating what what was it that you were having like the chocolate uh, fudge rounds. Get it <laughs> right, Courtney. Fudge rounds. We're, we're, we don't started on it. fudge rounds. We're gonna end on fudge rounds. So yeah, <laughs> here we are. Full circle. Look at that. Full circle. I know. So yeah, circle and all of Hey, it's, we, we have, we have really, I hope, I hope if anything that in this conversation, I mean, for me, I know there's been a lot of takeaways. So I'm hoping that our listeners have so much to work with at least where they're at. So, and I want to be able to hit on all the places that our listeners can find you because not only was this podcast super informative, but Dr. Stacy has unbelievable resources through her website, her social media channels. And so I want for our listeners to know where they can access that. Can you give us the rundown on all the places and all the things? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm on Instagram quite a bit, as well as TikTok. And that's Dr. Underscore Stacy. It's D-O-C-T-O-R underscore S-T-A-C-I. And my website is drstacy.com, spelled the same way. Um, if you are looking for an in-person visit, and we do have families that travel pretty far to see us, which is very flattering, I'm honored. I'm at NOPO Kids Dentistry, that's my office. It stands for North Portland, so it's N-O-P-O, -O, Kids Dentistry. And you can email us and, and arrange an appointment. I unfortunately am not doing online consultations right now. It just got a little overwhelming. I'm trying to figure out a way to add those back into my life. So stay tuned for that. Those are the main places to find me. And I really do try to answer all my DMs. Um, as my account grows, it's become a little more challenging. Yeah. Just keep messaging me. Uh, I eventually will answer you. I do live Q&As. Um, I try to do just a Q&A box to answer questions. I have an app coming out that will have more information too. I have a free product guide. All these things can be found on my website. So stay tuned. I have some cool stuff happening this year. That's I'm excited great. about it. That's great. Yeah. Thanks. Well, Doc, we cool. really appreciate it because all the information you're giving us are great practical tips, um, but also the intel or the detailed about how the oral health just basically is a global effect on the body. So we really appreciate that you came on with us yeah. and uh, we are thankful that you can show us that, you know, taking care of your teeth is not just something in the oral area. Um, I yeah. think that many of times in my practice, I've forgotten that. But thank you for sharing this kind of information with us. Yes, thank you so much. This was fun. I appreciate it.
Yeah, guys, we're going to link everything in the show notes. So if there were details that you wanted to pick up on, make sure you hit those up. We'll put all the drop all the links, all the resources that we talked about in this episode. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.